Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... Say, well, but I thought we were supposed to love God first. That's the first and greatest of all the commandments. The second is just like it, Jesus said. Yes, what the Apostle Paul is saying here is that love of neighbor, love of not just your friends in church, love of people you don't know, welcoming people you don't know outside the church, loving people, that's one of the ways that you measure that you love God. Have you ever noticed that many people are offended at the good news of Jesus Christ? Sadly, one reason may be that our presentation is offensive, and that needs to change for sure. But ultimately, it comes down to the fact that most people don't want anyone, including God, to tell them how to live their lives. Those same people are often offended when they see someone living for Christ, whether they speak about it or not. So, what do we do? We move forward in love and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's learn more in Galatians chapter 5. Here's Pastor Jim. Verse 13 begins the life in the spirit section of the book of Galatians. Let's call it the practical application section. And it's also going to answer for us two key questions. The questions are this. If you take the law away, what happens to obeying the word of the Lord? And if you take the law away, won't people do whatever they want? The Apostle Paul's answer is quite simple. No. Why? Because of the person and power of the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do for the Christian? Let's think of the old illustration like this. He is the tracks that keeps the train on course. He is the one who is leading us in the things of God, not into all kinds of kookiness. We actually have on our website, I believe it's eight messages on the Holy Spirit. I called it the series on the not weird Holy Spirit. And so you can listen to them. And so when it comes to all of this, the Apostle Paul has been convincing us that the law is powerless And knowing that the law is powerless, after the finished work of Jesus Christ, the Lord gives, remember he said, the spirit of Christ comes into our hearts. He gives us the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, all who put their trust in Jesus to keep us on the tracks. So a true Christian is no longer under the law for salvation but a true Christian is anything but lawless. When people tell you, oh, it doesn't matter how you live, you go, that is not true at all. That is not true at all. That's because we will see living the way you want to live is living according to the flesh, the sinful nature, and the Holy Spirit stands in opposition to the flesh. 
Now, this greatly explains one of the greatest concepts I can teach you. This will explain the battle within. This will explain while there are two natures pulling at you, the nature of God that lives in you through the person and power of the Holy Spirit and the remnants of the old man. There is a war within. Who wins? Whichever one you feed more. And so this is so important that we understand this. We are people, Galatians 2.20, who have been crucified with Christ, those of us who are Christ followers. We have, Colossians 3.1, been raised with Christ. And the Apostle Paul is telling them that the age of the law is gone. We now live in the age of the Spirit. So verse 13 through 15 are, if you will, an introduction to the Apostle Paul's argument of the age of the Spirit, of life in the Spirit, of walking in the Spirit. But there is something we must be careful of. Now, you people who came from other countries, we love you, and you know that we who are born here have a serious Westerner flaw. Now, we have many, we know that. But we have a serious Westerner flaw that compromises the way that we read the Bible. We read the Bible as independent Westerners, that it's all about me and my relationship with Jesus Christ, and he's writing a letter to a bunch of Christians in churches, and these letters were to be circulated among the churches And they'd be like, oh, we gotta go to church Sunday. There's a letter from the Apostle Paul coming in. And so when we don't understand that the Bible's not about you, it's about Jesus, and it's about what he wants to do in and through his people in their churches, we miss much of the meaning of the text. These ideas are predominantly about living within the believing community, not what everybody's saying all the time in America, my personal walk with Jesus. Yes, it is a personal walk, but it is also a public walk with Jesus Christ, and we are to walk together in godliness, and it is by our love for one another, Jesus said, all men will know that you are my disciples. So people, listen, they know that in church surveys that the average person makes up their mind from the minute they pull in the parking lot within seven to 10 minutes, whether they're coming back again or not. Now, did you notice it's only the regulars that come late on Sunday morning? The visitors don't. They're the people that come early. So they have made up their mind whether they're coming back sometimes before they even come into this room They just have too much class to walk back out the front door. And so they come in this room. They've already made up their mind. So what is the powerful apologetic? The apologetic is defense of the faith. What is the powerful apologetic? Love. That's what it is. Oh, I'm only parking cars. Dude, you're the first people they see. I'm only handing out bulletins. No, you're not. You are welcoming people 
to hear the word of the Lord. You are welcoming people, some to eternal life. Your attitude should be, you have made the best possible decision you could have ever made with your life by walking into this building. I'm just working in the nursery. No, you're not. You're taking that precious little loved one from a mother saying, I'm gonna guard this kid with my life. You go in there and you listen. Or the other teachers, I'm gonna teach your kids about Jesus and they're gonna teach you on the ride home. Pastor Jim's gonna bore your socks off. But your kid will know so much. And you walk into the cafe and they see the people talking. Hey, how you doing? I'm sorry, have we met before? You know, or don't say to people you knew, because sometimes people are like, yeah, I've been going here for eight years. You know? <laughs> but just like, have we met before? Love is a powerful apologetic. And if we only read the Bible in the context of myself, of my own world, we're going to miss not only how we grow in grace together, but we're gonna miss the evangelistic opportunity that God gives to every single one of us every single Sunday. Happens all the time. You say, how do I take advantage of it? Stop running to your friend immediately. Introduce yourself to someone you don't know. Make one, hey, I'm so-and-so. You know what? And if you've been introduced before, just say, sorry, I'm just, I, I got a bad memory. My brain's fried. Pray for me, brother. Right? And understand these things are important. And as Westerners, we are so independent. Now, it's true and it's important. So much for covering these verses quickly. It's true and important to know that the church is made up of individuals. But what did he just tell us of what we were supposed to be doing? Faith expressing itself in love. He's writing to a church. Where does our faith express itself in love? In the community of God's people. Other places too, but this is the testing lab. This is the Petri dish. This is where it is. And then we export it to a lost and hurting world. And in the weak theology church in America today, freedom, instead of the freedom to love people, has been turned into an excuse for sin and what people use to defend their sin. I've said this before, since we've been here, we've been here 13 years. Gosh, we first started, people would come in, they'd be up to their eyeballs in sin, and they would feel bad about it. Then a few years later, they're rationalizing it. Then a few years later, they're defending it. And now a lot of them are boasting about it, and they're proud of it, and they wonder why Idiots like me aren't happy for them. I'm not happy for you because you're not showing the fruit of a Christian. You're showing the fruit of someone who's going to hell. Why would I be happy for you? What's the problem? All the false teaching we're surrounded by. Nobody wants to be the bad guy. Nobody wants to tell people the bad news. Everybody wants everybody to leave happy. You go to the doctor. And let's say you had some sickness. Other people reading the x-ray goes, you know what, if they take that medicine, they'll be fine in a year. You gotta tell them. Doctor walks out and says, you're doing great. You're doing great. And if they don't take that medicine, they're gonna die. What do we call that? Malpractice. What is it not telling the people the truth of the gospel? It is spiritual malpractice. That's what it is. Freedom in Christ is not licensed to do whatever you want. 
Freedom in Christ is actually found in Holy Spirit-empowered obedience and service and love to both God and man. Verse 13, for you, brethren, he's speaking to the churches, have been called to liberty. Some versions say you've been called to be free. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. Another version says don't use your freedom to indulge your sinful nature, but through love serve one another. It's another reason why you got to come to church. That is a gospel commandment. You cannot obey that if you're not here. You can't. You can't obey it if you have a consumer mentality. You just can't. Other versions say serve one another in love. And here he gets practical with all that we have learned. Freedom is not freedom to sin. He says don't use it as an opportunity for the sinful nature. Freedom is not an opportunity for a casual attitude towards sin. Now, this is a problem, and I'm going to go down a road here just for a second, with something that is very popular and in many ways I agree with. But some people take it to an extreme, and when you take it to an extreme, you end up off. And there are some famous pastors who took this and ran with it, and now they're out of the ministry. And it's a very popular theology called sonship theology. And basically in sonship theology, you affirm that you are saved by grace and constant faith and reflection upon the gospel will sanctify you. Now, don't make it hocus pocus magic. That's where we have to be careful. Some people say, all I have to do is be thinking I'm saved by grace, not worry about it, and God will eventually sanctify me. The premise of it for some people who take it to an extreme is that God is always pleased with me no matter what I do. Now, if you said to me, I'm a Christian, does God love me no matter what I do? I would say absolutely yes. He loves you just as much before you sinned and just as much after you. But is he pleased with what you're doing? Well, that's silly. Free, yes, but not at the expense of my neighbor. Flaunting our freedom is both dangerous and unloving. Let me give you an example. This is a simple example. This is one you all know the answer to. You like those questions, right? Is adultery wrong under the old covenant? Yes, absolutely. It's against the law. It's against the law of God to commit adultery. Is it wrong under the new covenant? Yes. You know why? Because it's unloving. You know why stealing is wrong? Because it's unloving. A lot of the stuff that we do, you know why it's wrong? Because it's unloving. See, that's the shift he's making. He's like, forget about the law. Is it loving? Is it loving? Are you serving one another through love that way? Jesus said this, John 8, 34. Jesus answered, the most assuredly I say to you that whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Many, 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 I've seen more than I care to see. Many, a free Christian, including pastors, 
have ended up in over their head in sin, thinking that it didn't matter, thinking that God was okay with it. They became slaves to sin. Now I get their reasoning. They'll say that slavery to the law is a burdensome prison. But here's what the Apostle Paul, this is where he's taking us to. This is why he calls himself a bond servant. We are voluntary as Christians, voluntary, joyous slaves to the king and the kingdom. Not a bunch of rules to a person and to destiny. That's what we are slaves to. And we are willing to because we are serving the one who gave his life for us. With legalism, you lose your freedom. With license, you abuse your freedom. In both cases, you become irresponsible. And it seems to me the Apostle Paul is doing his famous put off and put on, put off the law and put on love as a way that faith works. Because not only it matters what we do, it matters how we do it. Verse 14, he says, and he quotes Leviticus 19, for the love is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Remember, he's talking to the people in the church. After spending so much time arguing against the law and in favor of the gospel, he sort of makes a change here. What is he saying? He's saying, loved ones, when you love, the law is fulfilled through the Holy Spirit in the community of the people of God. That's what God wants. That's what God is looking for. Again, Jesus is quoting Leviticus 19. Jesus did in Matthew 22 and in Luke 10 as a summary of someone who's walking in the love of God. It's funny, he says, love your neighbor as yourself. The Lord knows we love ourselves. <laughs> he's not even gonna fight that one. He knows we love ourselves. And he says, commit yourself. He commands us to love others the same way. And when we love others in a self-sacrificial way, that's how we now fulfill the law. Here is our guard against license. Freedom expresses itself through love. And love expresses itself through obedience. Let me back up. Don't want to go too fast there. Freedom expresses itself through love, and love expresses itself through obedience. In other words, love expresses itself when it is from the heart, guided by the law of God, empowered by the Spirit of God, and not just some ritual. And this is what some people will say. But what if you don't want to obey? I've heard people say that. I just don't want to obey. And if I obey, if I don't want to, that's just hypocrisy and sin. And I'll say to people, well, you're right about that. But disobedience is worse. <laughs> disobedience is worse. You say, well, but I thought we were supposed to love God first. That's the first and greatest of all the commandments. The second is just like it, Jesus said. Yes, what the Apostle Paul is saying here is that love of neighbor Love of not just your friends in church, love of people you don't know, 
welcoming people you don't know outside the church, loving people. That's one of the ways that you measure that you love God. People say stuff to you like, man, what I did to you three years ago, you would have creamed me. You get in your car, you're like, yeah, Lord, what's up with that? The Lord's like, you love me. That's why. That's what's up with that. You're changing. I'm changing you. Something subtle here. The Old Testament law could not create the loving, obedient community of God's people that it was supposed to. And what's less subtle here, and we'll see more of it as we move forward, that the age of the Spirit has replaced the Old Testament law because Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament law. And so this idea of loving your neighbor is anticipating the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer and the life of the church, which we're gonna see in the rest of chapter five and chapter six. So what's going on in Galatia? Verse 15 tells us a little bit about it. But if you bite and devour one another, have any of you ever attended a bite and devour church where the people are just fighting all the time? Oh, gosh. One of our churches went that way before we went to Calvary Chapel. It was awful. Oh, it's like, I can't wait to get back to work and have some fun, <laughs> some enjoyment. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. So this type of behavior is actually a byproduct of legalism. Why? Because ritual becomes more important than righteousness. Law becomes more important than love. And these types of divisions, when people like this are loveless and they are not Christ-like at all, and he's gonna turn us now and apply how to love our neighbor as ourself, as he taught us in verse 14. The abuse of liberty, anybody doing whatever they want, will destroy a church. But even if someone is in the wrong, we are called to love them. That doesn't mean we let them continue in it but we're called to love them. And look at the words he uses, you bite and devour. Man, that sounds more like animals than Christians, doesn't it? And so to me, man, that smells like the work of the evil one. Like we've allowed the false teachers in and they've actually brought the other guy in with them. So it's important to see that knowing and seeing Jesus Christ die on the cross motivates us and obligates us to living a life of love. If you have experienced that love, you are now free. So why would you, he says here, use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh? To be honest, I fear for the salvation of anyone who thinks that gospel freedom is freedom to sin. That is surely a sign of a soul that's in trouble. If that's you, today is the day of salvation. Look to the cross and live. Turn to God, confess your sins, put your trust in Jesus Christ, and the forgiveness of sins and eternal life is yours. The gospel is all because of the person and work of Jesus Christ and his cross. It not only motivates us to love and obey, it also motivates us and empowers us not to sin. We are freed from loving and forcing ourselves to love as a way to get to heaven. 
but instead now realizing that we have been loved by Jesus and we are still being loved by Jesus, we can love with joy. Well, next we'll start to look more closely at the Apostle Paul's solution, living the cross-centered life empowered by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's it for today with pastor and Bible teacher Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. We hope and pray that Pastor Jim's simple and passionate verse-by-verse, line-by-line teaching through the Word of God is bringing growth to your Christian faith. Now that you've heard from us, we would love to hear from you. Please let us know how we can pray for you, answer any questions you may have, and let us know how Change by Love has helped you. Perhaps you want someone to explain to you how to have your sins forgiven, how you can go to heaven, and how you can get started or restarted in your faith. Maybe you're looking for a good Bible teaching church in your area, or maybe you just need someone to talk to. Remember, friends, we are here to serve you and to help you, so that someday the Lord will use you to serve and help others. That's the way the kingdom of God works, and we're thrilled to participate with you in the adventure. There are many ways to contact Pastor Jim and the team here at Change by Love. All of our contact information is on our website, www.changedbyloveradio.com. Once again, that's changedbyloveradio.com. Maybe you would like to bless us by writing us a card or a letter. Our mailing address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Please join us next time on this same station. Until then, stay close to Jesus, and we know that you too will be changed by His love.